cry of the people was absolutely horrible. That's the cries of Moab. And Isaiah's talking about it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We're going through the Bible. We're into Isaiah 15. And in five minutes, we're going to be talking about this and the burden against Moab. What is God saying to us and how does it matter today? First, Corey and Reiner here. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at the nation of Moab itself and some of the remains that help inform us of who they were and what they did. Right. Well, the Bible mentions the Arnon River almost two dozen times, including Isaiah 16. So today I'm going to be exploring just how important the Arnon was. Very good. Look forward to that. That's coming up in about 20 minutes time. In about 25 minutes, Janice is going to share with us what's going on. Yes. Today I want to talk about prayer. All right. So get your Bible guide out and open it up and let's study Isaiah chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible guide, we'll tell you how you can get a hold of yours in a moment. Isaiah 15, 1 through 9. The Burden Against Moab. Because in the night Ar of Moab is laid waste and destroyed. Because in the night Ker of Moab is laid waste and destroyed. He has gone up to the temple and Dibon, to the high places to weep. Moab will wail over Nebo and over Mediba. On all their heads will be baldness, and every beard cut off. In their streets they will clothe themselves with sackcloth. On the tops of their houses and in their streets everyone will wail, weeping bitterly. Heshbon and Elaelah will cry out. Their voice shall be heard as far as Jahaz. Therefore the armed soldiers of Moab will cry out. His life will be burdensome to him. My heart will cry out for Moab. His fugitives shall flee to Zor like a three-year-old heifer. For by the ascent of Luhith they will go up with weeping. For in the way of Horonaim they will raise up a cry of destruction. For the waters of Nimrim will be desolate. For the green grass has withered away. The grass fails there is nothing green. Therefore the abundance they have gained, and with what they have laid up, they will carry away to the brook of the willows. For the cry has gone all around the borders of Moab, its wailing to Aglaim, and its wailing to Beer Elam. For the waters of Diamond will be full of blood, because I will bring more upon Diamond, Lions upon him who escapes from Moab and on the remnant of the land. Isaiah chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. Isaiah chapter 15, chapter 16, and chapter 17. That's what we study today. You know, the destruction of Moab is very sad. Clearly, the heart of Isaiah is moved over their demise. The cities mentioned in Isaiah 15 are cities near the south of the Dead Sea, a place completely overrun and destroyed. Now, descriptive phrases like shaving off the head and the beards being cut were outward signs of mourning. Isaiah records these words, quote, Therefore, 
the armed soldiers of Moab will cry out. His life will be burdensome to him. My heart will cry out for Moab. His fugitives shall flee to Zor like a three-year-old heifer. For by the ascent of Lilith, they will go up with weeping. Close quote. That's Isaiah 15, 4 and 5. Well, the fall of any family, any city, any nation is not a good thing, but a horrible evil. God does not desire horrible things to happen to people. God sent his only son, that is, that the world through him might be saved. Because Jesus Christ is, of course, what I believe, fully God and fully man. Now today, as we open up the Bible and we begin to study what God has done, let's hear what the Lord says. So take your Bible guide and open it up. If you don't have a Bible guide, let me encourage you to write or to call for your Bible guide. We'll be happy to send you one. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And on BibleDiscoveryTV.com, simply go to the, click on the page where it has the picture of the Bible guide, and it'll take you to a donate page. Thank you so, so much for your donations. And also, it takes you to a page where you can download it exactly like we've printed it. Very exciting. Today, the cry. We're going to talk about that. And let's pray. Father, I pray that as we study this cry, the cry of Moab, as we study this, Lord, help us to understand that Isaiah is reflecting his heart, that we don't like to see people or things demise, and neither do you. But Father, when disobedience comes, we make those choices. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us your way and show us your path. In the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of your wonderful Holy Spirit. And we said together, amen. Now, let's look at the scripture and understand what's actually going on. Isaiah chapter 15, verse 1 begins this way. The burden against Moab, because in the night air of Moab is laid waste and destroyed, because in the night Kerr of Moab is laid waste and destroyed. He has gone up to the temple and Debon, to the high places to weep. Moab will wail over Nebo and over Mediba. On all their heads will be baldness and every beard cut off. In their streets they will clothe themselves with sackcloth and on the tops of their houses and in their streets, everyone will wail, weeping bitterly. Heshbon and Elah will cry out. Their voices or their voice shall be heard as far as Jehaz. Therefore, the armed soldiers of Moab will cry out. His life will be burdensome to him. This is a description of a demise of Moab. The weeping of the failure can be avoided with acceptance of God. The Lord Jesus Christ came to give us life more abundantly. Beloved, listen carefully. This is very important. If we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, if we, if we listen to the Lord Jesus Christ, if we say yes to the Lord, then things will begin to go a lot smoother. Let me tell you something, in today's world and with the way things are happening, that becomes very, very important. We need to pay attention to what God is telling us. We need to follow him 
And we need to say, yes, Lord, it's not our way, but it's your way. That becomes very important, especially in nations where their free choice is completely worshipped. So we need to keep that in mind. Isaiah chapter 15, verse 5 says this, My heart will cry out for Moab. His fugitives shall flee to Zor. Like a three-year-old heifer, for by ascent of Lilith, they will go up with weeping. For the way of Horium, they will rise up a cry of destruction. Again, Isaiah describes the horrible pain. The cry of pain is horrible. But when we give our lives to follow Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit helps us and our sorrow is turned into joy. Now, beloved, keep in mind that when we give our lives to Christ, God not only forgives us of our sin, but he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And all of those horrible things that have happened to us, all of those things that are terrible, begin to heal. And there is nothing in our life that is so devastating, nothing so far-fetched, so destroyed that God cannot heal it because everything is possible with God. Keep that in mind because the Lord knows and understands the pain that we've experienced. Come to Jesus Christ, feel him and know that he is here to save us and help us. Now let's go on because six through nine is even more interesting. Here's what it says. For the waters of Nimrim will be desolate for the green grass has withered away. The grass fails. There is nothing green. Therefore the abundance that they have gained and what they have laid up, they will carry away to the brook of the willows. For the cry is gone all around the borders of Moab. It's wailing to Iglam and it's wailing to Berilim. For the waters of Daman will be full of blood because I will bring more upon Daman, lions upon him who escapes from Moab and on the remnant of the land. This is a total destruction of Moab. The nation of Moab will not survive because they rejected God's way. Our lives are positioned to tell a story to those in the past, those in the present, and those in the future. Remember, our choices are not ours to do what we want, but as we come to Jesus Christ and give our lives to him, our choices lead the way to what we really believe. Now, I really believe in Jesus Christ. And so my life has got to reflect what he represents so that people can know when they understand who I am that I reflected the life of Jesus Christ. Now, beloved, that's what we have to do today. We have to come to the Lord. So, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name, we come to you and ask you to heal us and to help us to be Christians, people like you, Christ followers. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to.
All right, so as I said off the top of the program, the Bible mentions the River Arnon almost two dozen times. Six times in Numbers, six times in Deuteronomy, four times in Joshua, four times in Judges, once in 2 Kings, once in Jeremiah, and once in Isaiah chapter 16, verse 2, which we read today. And in this Isaiah passage, judgment is being made against Moab, and it says that she shall be as a wandering bird thrown out of the nest, so shall be the daughters of Moab at the fords of the Arnon. Now, while this was not a good set of circumstances for Moab, to say the least, it doesn't take away from the fact that the Arnon River was really important to the ancients. And so today, I want to explore this very fascinating region. So let's go. Since very ancient times, the river Arnon has played an important role as a territorial border. In fact, the Bible first mentions the Arnon as the boundary line between the Moabites and Ammonites, and would prove to be a key location for many years to come. This incredibly unique river system begins high up in the hills of northern Arabia before coursing westward down through a deep narrow gorge that eventually empties into the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place on the earth at 410 meters below sea level. Since the Arnon is 900 meters above sea level at its highest point, this means that it has a variation in elevation of 1300 meters or 4300 feet. Also adding to its flow is a network of seven connecting tributaries, referred to as the Valleys of the Arnon in the Biblical narrative. Although this river has since dried up into a wadi, now called the Wadi Mujib, the ancient importance of the river and of the towns in its vicinity is attested by the numerous ruins of bridges, forts, and buildings found upon or near it. Its forts are alluded to by Isaiah, and its heights, crowned with the castles of chiefs, were also celebrated in Numbers 21-28. Military campaigns in the wadis of the Arnon also form part of the subject matter of the now-lost Book of the Wars of the Lord, and there's even remains of an old Roman road and bridge. But the Arnon hasn't only been a hotspot for humans, it's also home to large amounts of wildlife. Because of its extreme changes in elevation, combined with the valley's year-round water flow from its seven tributaries, the Arnon enjoys a magnificent biodiversity that is still being explored and documented to this day. So far, over 300 species of plants, 10 species of carnivores, and numerous species of permanent and migratory birds have been recorded. Furthermore, some of the remote mountain and valley areas are difficult to reach and thus offer safe havens for rare species of cats, goats, and other mountain animals, such as the striped hyena, the Syrian wolf, the Caracal mountain cat, and one of the most endangered animals of the Arnon, the Nubian ibex, which is a large mountain goat that became threatened as a result of overhunting. And despite the fact that the surrounding geography is mostly desert, the slopes of the mountainous land are very sparsely vegetated, with a steppe-type vegetation on plateaus. The less severe slopes are actually used by shepherds for the grazing of sheep and goats. Furthermore, groundwater seepage does occur in places along the Dead Sea shore, such as at the hot springs of Zara, which support a luxuriant thicket of acacia, tamarix, phoenix, and nerium, as well as a small marsh. Truly, the Arnon has been, and continues to be, an important place on planet Earth. So as you can see, the Arnon has been and remains to be a very important place. And though it has since dried up into a wadi, even today it's a very impressive site. 
And one day I hope to actually hike through its deep gorge. But my point today is really simple. The Bible isn't a book of fiction, as some suppose. It records real events, real people, and real places. And that includes the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus and made him Lord of your life and repented of your sins, then it's time. He's calling you right now. The question is, will you answer that call? You answer the call by simply saying, yes, Lord, I come to your heart and, and I, I pray forgiveness of my sin. I need your help. And uh, that's what you do. It's very, very important. And I stress that because this is the time to come to know Jesus Christ, um, which is interesting. And Ryan, I trust that one day we'll go to Israel. I'll take you there. Uh, we, we've Your mother and I have been there. Corey's been there several times. And mm -hmm. I've been there several times. I think the important thing to remember is that when we were, when I was first there in 91 and traveling to the various sites, I recognized that uh, the sites, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is the site. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. you can't look at the things because many of the things have gone, but yeah. you look at this is the place where it happened. There's it's lots true. of ruins. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of ruins <laughs> and uh, it's really, really something. So, uh, and Israel is a great place and we continue to pray for Israel as they're under a lot of stress right now. Mm -hmm. Corey. Okay. Well, I'm going to continue to take a look at ruins, but, but not in Israel proper. We're going to be taking a look at Moab. So it's really interesting. So, I mean, Isaiah chapter 15 and 16, the, the prophet Isaiah, he is uh, delivering um, a prophecy of Moab's coming destruction in both of these chapters. And he's not happy about it. Uh, he says that within three years of the rendering of this prophecy and giving this prophecy, it's going to happen. Uh, and and um, uh, Moab was taken over subsequently by Assyria. Uh, okay. So when we look at Moab, we are looking at a nation that was east of Israel proper, okay? So it was on the other side of the Dead Sea, on the other side of the Jordan River, and it was a pretty narrow but long strip of land there. If you have, you know, um, a computer, you can, with internet access, you can look up a map of Moab. You can uh, also, if you have a Bible atlas or a study Bible, there should be a map where you can check that out as well. Uh, but Moab, according to the Bible, the the people group of the Moabites were actually related to the Israelites, right, through Lot, uh, Abraham's nephew. Uh, so these were descendants of Lot. And, and we learn a lot of things in the early books of the Bible about Moab. For example, God had actually given them their land. We learn in Deuteronomy that, you know, the, the people of Moab had managed to push out the people group of the Rephaites and, and take land for themselves. And God had allowed them to do that and kind of given them their land. And so that was the justification for God saying to Moses and the Israelites, when they were coming out of Egypt and going uh, into the promised land, into the land of Canaan, that they were not to touch the Moabites, just to leave them alone. Um, but they have a tumultuous relationship with Israel at the same time, because off and on, we see the Moabites oppressing Israel and Israel oppressing the Moabites. A huge issue uh, happens in 2 Kings 3. This is a pretty famous uh, battle that happens between Israel and the Moabites, where the Moabites actually gain the upper hand. And we learn that what had happened is Omri, the father of famous evil King Ahab, when he became the king of Israel, he actually was able to take over Moabite territory because the Moabite land 
was very close to it, right up against the land of Gad, right? And Manasseh and Reuben, those tribes of Israel that didn't settle on the west of the Jordan in Israel proper, but on the east side of the Jordan River. Okay, so lots of interesting things have been found because um, when, when Omri had taken that land uh, from Moab, a couple generations later, when Ahab died, Mesha, king of Moab, pushed back and he was able to retake that land. And he wrote about it in something called the Mesha Stella or the Moabite Stone. So we have these words from Mesha, king of Moab, who's mentioned in 2 Kings 3, talking about this battle where he took back territory. He mentions specifically two cities that he took back over from Israel, Adaroth and Jahaz. And both of these uh, cities are mentioned in the Bible several times. What's really interesting is researchers looking at the archaeology done at these sites have concluded that, yes, indeed, it appears that the monumental architecture found at both Jahaz and Adaroth matches the monumental architecture that was in northern Israel during the time period of Omri and Ahab, which is very interesting. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of archeology span in Moab, uh, coming out of Moab, that really does verify the history that the Bible records as well between Israel and Moab. And I don't have time to go into it all today, but I am going to be putting together a rather large study on Moab, uh, the, um, the historical remnants from that society and how it interacts with the Bible and popping it up on my YouTube channel. So, so keep your eyes out for that if you're interested in Moab and, and how it all works and intermingles in the Bible. I remember when I was in Israel again, the first time, uh, and I, I looked across the southern end of the Dead Sea. And yep. The Dead Sea was higher then, mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's been uh, mined now. But I looked across and Jim Canlon was with me. He said, that's the mountains of Moab. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. And I said, you're kidding me. That, that's the mountains of Moab. Yeah. That the Bible talks about. Yeah. It's right there. It's one thing to read about it. But you're, you're actually seeing at it. it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and, and I mean, that, that, that territory where Israel camped as well, you can kind of, because they camped, you know, across the Jordan River from Jericho, which was in northern Moab, the very northern extremes of Moab, right? So they would have had a really good view into Jericho and, and vice versa. If, you, if you're there, you can you kind know, of we, see we've where they got to, We've got to go on, but this is fascinating <laughs> yeah. stuff. Uh, and I look forward to that study that you do. Hopefully, you'll put it on video and we'll get it on. We'll get it to you. But anyway, Janice. Yes. Well, actually, no, I was enjoying very much the discussion here. And uh, I all I really wanted to talk about today in prayer was that as I'm reading through these proclamations against, you know, we're talking about proclamation against Moab today. and And it really reminds me that in my own personal walk with God, Prayer is such an important part of that relationship between me and my Heavenly Father. And um, listening in prayer is actually very important as well. It's not just me bringing my praise to God and my thanks to God and, and the things that are in my heart, pouring those things out to God, but it's also waiting upon the Lord 
um, and, and his direction in my life. And it, and it's, it's a, it's a very powerful time in the life of a believer, in the life of a Christian. And if you're a follower of Christ, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it, it devastates my heart when I hear and I, and I, and I recognize in people that they don't know that there is a God that they can pray to, that there is a God that they can praise for the things that they see around them. That to me is just such a very sad fact. And um, if, if you're somebody that doesn't really think about talking to God, you really should. Begin to thank him for the things that you see around you, for the beautiful sunshine, for the, for the clouds, for the rain, for the, for the flowers that are blooming, uh, for your life when you wake up in the morning. Um, but this reading about the proclamations, again, it reminds me to pray and to live my life according to the word of God. And to learn to follow God and seek after him and love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because we're, we're going through these, these things that we're learning about where nations rod, where, where people have failed, where they have made a decision not to follow God. And we see that throughout the generations. It's not just in the Bible. It's what we're living in our world right now. And I think it's really important for us as believers to live according to the word of God, to be those examples that we're supposed to be, a light in a very dark world right now. And the only way that we can do that is not any goodness of ourselves. The only good that we can, that we can hold at all comes from God. And that comes from his word and from spending time in prayer with him. It truly is a relationship with a living God who gives the time, who knows when we come to him. And that is so special. Don't, don't put that away in your life. Make that a priority. Time with God, time in his word. You know, we have a lot of time to do other things brushing our hair, brushing our teeth, having a shower, watching TV, being on our phone, watching things on YouTube. Boy, how many times do I see people doing that? And we think we have no time for God. We think we have no time for the word. But when it becomes a priority, things will begin to change. And uh, when you make time for God, God makes time for you. So let's remember that today. Prayer is a very important part of a believer's life and uh, spending time in prayer. Praying and also listening. And Father God, we do pray today that you would uh, touch people and help people and help us, Lord, as we navigate through your word, as we learn what you've taught us and told us in Jesus' wonderful name. I always say that, Jesus' wonderful name, because his name is wonderful. It is wonderful. Uh, and we all said the word amen means make it so. And we all said together, make amen. it so or amen. Today we pray for the country of Nigeria as we close ourselves in prayer. Thank you for joining us. 
Nigeria is a great country. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would help them as they suffer there, Lord, for your witness. Touch the Christians and help them today, Lord. And Father, we pray that you would help us, all of us, follow your Holy Spirit as you change our lives according to your word that we can be images that follow Jesus Christ. Amen.